Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you as one of those beggars in need of the bread of life, in need of fresh bread, our daily bread, not only for the body, but for the soul. And as we receive this bread through the teaching and preaching of the word, through the living Christ who dwells in us, and as we partake of the Lord's Supper later on, satisfy us with yourself, satisfy every longing, every need. And sometimes we do not even realize and understand what exactly the longing is. But Lord, what it may be, please come and fill us now with yourself and your truth. Amen. I read this story in the week, every week as I do my preparation for these topical messages and um, I, I read different articles and books on, on the topic once I've done my own uh, study of, of the passage I'm going to preach on and this week I read one of a man, a counsellor, he says in May 2020, just as lockdown started, Uh, He read a newspaper article the police had found, or whoever found him, they found a man dead in his apartment, in his flat, a 50-year-old man. Now, you, you think that might be sad, you read a story like that, but here's the sad part, and this will shock you. He had been dead three years. No one cared. A lonely man. And, and, and sad to say that our, our generation, our era, our culture actually promotes loneliness. It promotes loneliness through, for instance, social media. Social media, you've got more friends than ever before. On your Facebook, you may, may have 300, 400, 500 friends, 200 friends, 100 friends. But we've got less deep friendships than ever. Have you seen this? When it's your birthday, in the past people would call you or come to your house. Now they see it on Facebook and it's just a little happy birthday message. There's no personal contact. Uh, or like one writer says, is our, con- our, our communication is faster than ever before. We've got the internet, we've got email, we've got cell phones, WhatsApp, WhatsApp. Uh, calls we can make and so on. So we can connect so quickly with everybody else, but we do it, we're doing it all alone. You're sitting in the loneliness of your own home or office or where you are doing that. And actually Facebook, Facebook is a big culprit and other, other uh, social media platforms. A big culprit for promoting loneliness because if you're a lonely person and you're on Facebook, and you see everyone's photos and pictures and the Father's Day they had and the bride they had and the birthdays they had. And it seems to you, look at everyone else, they're happy. They've got their loved ones with them. Here I am all alone. They've got their friends. They had a bride. And you think they're so happy. How do you know? I remember seeing a photo of a man. And I knew the man and the wife. And I saw a photo of them. The man with his arm around his wife, both of them smiling on the picture. 
and they weren't happy. And I knew that. I know they're not happy. There was serious marriage difficulties and marriage problems, marriage issues. So don't take it at face value just because you see someone on Facebook, look at them, they're so happy, and here I am all alone. You don't know. You don't know. You just take our culture with uh, romantic comedies. I know teenagers like to watch those kinds of things. Or you've got romantic novels. I'm talking not about ugly, dirty things. I'm talking about even Christian novels. So you've got this romantic book you're reading, and how this guy falls in love, he's Prince Charming, and she's the princess. Uh, or even love songs. And, and it's all so superficial. It's veneered. It's not a lachy. It's not real wood. It's veneered. It's just a piece of thing stuck onto the chipboard. And it looks like, oh, this is wonderful. That's not the real story. That's not the real deal. Uh, why do I say it's superficial, this kind of romantic comedy, love, everything works out, it doesn't work like that happily ever after always. The reason why I say it's not the real deal, it's not the real thing, is because people are trying to find satisfaction for their loneliness where? In other people. If I can just have you, you've heard that song, Oh, lonely, I'm Mr. Lonely, I'm so lonely. Because in the old song, I read the words, the original song, it's not quite like that. This guy's in the, in the army, he's in war, and he doesn't get a Dear Johnny. Well, Dear Johnny is more negative, but he doesn't get a letter from his girlfriend. Uh, but the new, the new version of the song is this girlfriend has left him and he's all alone and if he can just have the girlfriend back, then everything will be fine again and he won't be lonely. But even that, even if you do have someone, even if the girlfriend comes back like in the song, the solution is temporary. Why? Because people move on. Because friendships break up. Because people move to other towns and because people die. And so you cannot look to people for the ultimate solution. The solution lies where? God. Let's read the Psalm 142. A muskill of David when he was in the cave. A prayer. With my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before Him. I tell my trouble before Him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they've hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see. There's none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison, that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. Number one, David's circumstances. And that is in the little heading. Now please remember, as you follow this evening, if you've got an Afrikaans Bible, your Bible is going to be one verse ahead. So if I say verse 1 in the Afrikaans, it's actually verse 2. It will be the next verse. All right, so... David's circumstances, and that you find in the little heading that says, A muscle of David when he was in the cave. Um, three weeks ago, a young pastor came to me. Uh, this young pastor and I, I meet with him every now and then. Let's say at an average once in three weeks, maybe once a month. So he's, he's, a, new, he's a new pastor at a church. It's a church that had a lot of problems in the past. 
And so now he's the pastor there. And so he came to me because there were some issues bothering him about the ministry and about the church. And he came to see me and he said these words to me. I've got no one else to go to. I've got no one else to talk to. Because he's in a situation. I've got Rolf to talk to and I've got Kurs to talk to if there's some serious issues. Um, so I've got elders and I've got, thankfully, church members uh, with joyful hearts who love the Lord and serve the Lord. Uh, I've got other friends in ministry, friends I've made. Here's this rookie, this new guy in the ministry and he's got no one to go to. And David felt like that. As you've seen in, in that heading, the muscle of David when he was in the cave. Yes, David all alone. Now, just to give you some background, he feels lonely. What's happening is Saul is hunting him. When he says, I'm in the cave, you can read 1 Samuel 21, 22 verse 1. There's a place called Adullam, Adullam. And he goes to Adullam and he hides in the cave because Saul is, is hunting David. He wants to kill David. And this has been going on for chapters. If you read 1 Samuel, it starts in chapter 18. And I think the chapters may have been months. I don't know how long this is. Uh, maybe I should read up on this sometime. Maybe it may have been years that, that from the beginning to, to the death of Saul, from the moment... Um, yes, it must have been years. It must have, That's right. David, David was probably a teenager when he killed Goliath, or at least very close to his 20s, and he only becomes king when he's 30. Now, this must have been between 10 and 13 years. Uh, and at this moment, maybe this has only been months now, but poor David, um, he's hiding in this cave. He feels all alone. Here he's sitting in the dark. And I think a lesson we draw from this is, remember, David is the man after God's own heart. He's serious in his relationship with the Lord. So even committed Christians can feel lonely. Like you see with David, that is what, what uh, Yusha read to us in 2 Timothy. I mean, you see the Apostle Paul already in 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is the final letter Paul wrote. It's not the last in the order of Paul's letters, but it's the last letter he wrote in time, chronologically. So here's Paul in prison. He's going to die soon. And everyone's left him. He says, everyone in Asia has turned away from me in chapter 1, from verse 15 onwards. So poor Paul is alone. Now he's sitting in prison. He says, Demas has left him. Demas was one of his co-workers. Demas has turned his back on the Lord. He's now... Fall, fallen in love with the world. He says Luke is gone, not because, or, or not Luke is gone, Crescens is gone, uh, Titus is gone, not because they've turned away from the Lord, but they're on mission trips. The only one with him is Luke. And then he says, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm, and I'm cold, I'm sitting in prison under the streets of Rome. It's all damp and wet and moist. And please bring my coat because winter's coming. Please bring the books and the parchments. I don't know if he wants to write some more. Maybe he wants to read. And please, Timothy, don't you turn your back on me. He says in the beginning of that letter, don't be ashamed of me. Chapter 1, verse 8. I'm alone. When I stood in court before Nero, before Caesar, the emperor, no one came to me. No one stood by me. I was all alone. I had no friends. So he is a, a mature Christian, the apostle Paul, and he feels lonely. You can just think of the persecuted church. We pray for them often. How lonely some of those Christians feel. I mean, even Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus felt lonely. Think of how he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. His disciples are sleeping. He's all alone. All alone. And then they run away. The disciples. 
And then Peter, Judas betrays him. Peter denies him, saying, I don't know Jesus. I swear he says it three times, denies him three times. And then in the end, you know what happens. Jesus hangs on a cross all alone, naked, doesn't even have clothes. His clothes are divided. And then even his father abandons him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think that should help us. To remember you're not the only one. When you feel alone and lonely, you're not the only one. Other Christians have gone through that. And the Lord has helped them. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And then also remember the Lord Jesus. I think that helps us. If Jesus even felt lonely and alone, that helps us because we have now have a high priest who sympathizes with our weakness. He understands what you are going through. And he pities you and he sympathizes with you. Number two, David's prayer. That is in the heading, uh, it says a prayer. In the Afrikaans, a gebed. A prayer and then verse one and two, uh, we see that. Now let me tell you about Dudley and I've met people like this. Uh, Dudley is just a person I make up in my head. Uh, Dudley is a very lonely man. And so where does he go? Uh, who, who's his saviour? Who's his saviour to save him from loneliness? The counsellor. That often happens. We look toward people to satisfy and to fulfil the loneliness. I'm not saying it's wrong to go to a counsellor if you feel lonely. But he cannot be your ultimate. He cannot be the ultimate solution to the problem. David understands this in a great sense. David understands my saviour is not people. Because he turns to the Lord. The Lord is my saviour. Also from loneliness, verse 1, with my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. Verse 2, I pour out my complaint before Him. I tell my trouble before Him. And then the heading, it's a prayer. Uh, Psalm chapter 25, in verse 16, the same thing. When David is lonely, where does he go? Psalm 25, verse 16, turn to me and be gracious to me, he calls, for I am lonely. And afflicted, please help me, Lord. I'm struggling. Because what's going to happen if you crop this up, if you just, you, you just don't open your heart, just leave it all there, you'll get depressed. It has to come out. It has to find somewhere. Where you bring it to the Lord and call upon the Lord, as David does. He, he doesn't hold it in. It says in verse 1, With my voice I cry out to the Lord. A, so this is not just a prayer in his heart. It's not just a prayer in his mind. He says, I say it with my voice. I call aloud, Lord, help me. It must come out. And we should do the same. Psalm 62 verse 9 or verse 8 in the, uh, in the English. Pour out your heart to the Lord. Tell your trouble to the Lord. Cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you, says Psalm 55 verse 22. Or Peter tells us, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be anxious about nothing. Pray about everything. Pour out your heart with thanksgiving, with supplication, with pleading before the Lord. Make your requests known to God, says the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4 verse 6. And I think we've got it more better than David in one sense because David says in verse 2, I pour out my complaint before him, tell my trouble before him. You've got something better than that. Why? Because you and I have a high priest. You and I have a high priest. His name is Jesus Christ. And yes, David had a wonderful Lord and a wonderful God and we have the same God. But David didn't have the benefit of free access like we do. He needed a human priest once a year to bring a sacrifice for the people, a sacrifice an animal. You and I can go to the Lord 
And we got free access through Jesus Christ, our high priest, and with boldness draw near to the throne of grace, where we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Number three, David's depression. And that is in verse three and four. I saw a video of counseling. Now, obviously, this counselor had asked permission of the couple. It was a couple with marriage problems. And he said, can I take this video of our session and then show it in a class so we can teach them? And yes, uh, permission was given. Uh, we got the kids club again. Great. <laughs> and so, the, so, so they got permission they got, he got permission to show the video, and we watched it in a class. This counseling session was done in the United States. And this was a pastor. And the pastor came with his wife, and she is terribly depressed, just sitting like this in the session. And as the counselor goes, so we watched the first session, one of the first sessions, and then we watched the very last counseling session he had with him months later. And it was a day and night change with that woman. She was smiling and the makeup and the joy, holding her husband's hand. With her first session, her husband's talking and he puts her, his hand on her leg and she pushes his hand away. Because she's so depressed. And as the counselor found out, the reason for her depression was loneliness. Her husband's visiting the church people and counseling everyone else. And his wife is alone. And that's the reason for David's depression. David is depressed. If you see verse 3, my spirit faints within me. And then the end of verse 4, no one cares for my soul. David is depressed. Why? Because he's lonely. He's lonely. There's no one with him. He's being hunted by King Saul. Saul wants to kill him. And here's the poor young man, David, and he's depressed. He says in verse 3, my spirit faints. Now actually, the Hebrew word there is in a tense that means, literally means it's like his spirit is going back and forth. He's directionless. It's like I have no direction. I don't even know where to turn. I don't know where to go. And my spirit faints. You know, that can very easily become a vicious circle or a vicious cycle. So you feel lonely. And because you're lonely, eventually you become depressed. And when you're depressed, what do you do? You withdraw and you just sit in your room all the time or in your house. You don't want to see anyone. Then you feel more lonely. And when you feel more lonely, that leads to more depression and more depression. And now you withdraw even more and you don't see people. And then more loneliness and more depression. And so it just is a downward spiral. How do you break free from that? How do you come out of that? I think you must remember the Lord knows your way. The Lord understands. The Lord sees. Verse, verse 3, my spirit faints within me. You know my way when my spirit faints within me. In the path where I walk, they've hidden a trap for me. Please, Lord, see how these people are persecuting me. They're trying to catch me. Saul is trying to kill me. Lord, help me. The Lord knows that. The Lord knows when you're lying in bed and you're awake, you can't sleep because you feel lonely and you feel depressed. You see this with David again in Psalm 102. Or oh, it's not David, actually. The psalm doesn't say who, who wrote it, who wrote that psalm. Psalm 102, uh, the heading says, A prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. And then you find the loneliness in verse 7 and 8. I lie awake. I'm like a lonely sparrow on a housetop. You see this little bird. You've heard them. And they sit on the gutter 
or they're sitting on the housetop and there's this little sparrow, the little bird all alone. And that's what the psalmist feels like. I'm alone. I'm alone. But you understand. All the day my enemies taunt me, those who derise me use my name for a curse and so on. And so the Lord knows. I think what, what we should be careful of when you're lonely, be careful of self-pity. Just sitting in your room and feeling sorry for yourself and looking inward and think, I'm never going to be happy again. Everyone has forgotten me. No one cares about me like David feels here. Be careful of that. Be careful of that because you're not alone. And the whole world has not forgotten about you. Everyone has not forgotten about you. Everyone is not against you. You think of that. You see the apostle, or not uh, the apostle Paul. You see the prophet Elijah. Uh, Elijah in 1 Kings 19. Elijah feels that way, but he's, he hasn't got perspective. It's not an accurate summary of his situation. Because here's Elijah saying, Lord. The Lord says, what are you doing here, Elijah? He says, Lord, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left. I'm the only one serving you. No one else serves you anymore. They've all turned to false gods, to idols. They've turned to Baal. I'm the only one. And the Lord says to him, you don't know, Elijah. There are 7,000 others who haven't turned to serve false gods, to serve Baal. They haven't bowed the knee to Baal. They still serve me. The Lord has not forgotten you, and everyone has not forgotten you. God says in Isaiah 44 verse 21, you shall not be forgotten by me. Can a mom forget her child? You know, some mothers do forget their children. They throw them into trash cans or they murder them before they're even born. Abortion. Some mothers do forget their children. But the Lord says in Isaiah 49 verse 15, even though a mother may forget her child, I will never forget you. Your name is written. You are written on the palms of my hands. Oh, and doesn't that... Doesn't that uh, Come out in the New Testament with Jesus nails through his hands to say this is from love that I do this for your soul and for you. Didn't Jesus tell you, I will never leave you nor forsake you? Didn't the same Jesus say, I am with you always, even to the end of the age? Didn't the same Jesus send his Holy Spirit and say, the Father and I, we will come and make our dwelling with you. We will come and make our home with you. We will live inside of you. So the Lord has not forgotten you. And the Lord will even raise believers. He will prompt believers. He will move other Christians to pray for you. He will lay it on their, on their hearts and in their minds. Oh, suddenly out of the blue, this person wakes up in the middle of the night and thinks of you. And you haven't heard from them for three months or six months or three years. And then you get a, a, a WhatsApp. Say, I'm thinking about you and praying for you. And it's the Lord who has done that. He raises them up. Or to come and encourage you, like Paul in prison, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, the Lord sends a man called Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus in Afrikaans. Onesiphorus comes and he comes to Paul. Paul is alone. And he says, this man remembered me. The Lord sent him. He's remembered me. I'm in chains in prison. And he, he's come to visit me. And he's really refreshed my soul. Doesn't the Lord do that? Has the Lord done that for you? Sent someone? Or someone just sends you a message and said, I prayed for you today? So that encourages you, right? Now, David didn't, didn't see the whole picture here because David, he says in verse, verse 4, look to the right and see there's none who takes notice of me. Lord, no one cares for me. Where's the help? Where's the help forthcoming? And then he says, no refuge remains to me. Verse 4, no one cares for my soul. What do we learn from that? I think what we learn is uh, an important principle. It's very easy for us 
to get so busy with your own life, we forget about those lonely people. I know that. I'm so busy with my life, so busy with my work, so busy with this and that. Don't forget the lonely people. And I, please, I do want to encourage you. This is a formal encouragement that I want to give to us as a church. When you see new people visiting the church, please reach out. Please go and greet them. I remember my brother saying to me when he was a first year student, he went to this church for months. No one greeted him. Except the pastor. <laughs> so please, when you see people, go up to them, talk to them, introduce yourself, say welcome, or when we drink tea after a service, please, when you see someone standing alone, it's very cozy and it's very comfortable to talk to the people you know. That's nice. And we enjoy that. You feel comfortable. But come out of that comfort zone and say, I'm going to talk to that person. I haven't talked to them. I want to meet them, introduce, and then talk to them and make them feel welcome. Remember those lonely people. And then I also think of the visitation teams, but not only the visitation teams. That goes for all of us. To reach out to one another. And that even goes for the lonely people. Don't just think, I'm lonely, people must come to me. You do the same for them. Didn't Jesus tell us, do to others what you want them to do unto you? And maybe, maybe your loneliness is God's goodness to you to say, you know what it feels like. Now you can go and help those other lonely people and encourage them. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4. Comfort them with the same comfort you have been comforted by God. Now David doesn't see the situation like that. David actually maybe has in some sense a wrong perspective of his situation because he says in verse 5, No refuge remains to me. Is that true? There's no refuge. What does the next verse say? You are my refuge. God is his refuge. David missed that for a second and then he remembered, No. It's not true that I have no refuge. The Lord is my refuge. He's my hiding place. So if no one cares for your soul, what must you do? Then you go to the one who does care for your soul. You go to the Lord and you say, when the cares of my heart are, when the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Psalm 94 verse 19. And that's necessary. And the reason it's necessary, as I said earlier, is we forget, we forget one another so quickly. I know it, I know it. I forget people very quickly. We're all so busy with our lives. You see that with aged parents. Here you've got parents, they're in an old age home, or maybe not even in an old age home, they live somewhere, but the kids are living their own lives. They don't have time for the parents. No time, no time. My sister sent me a message a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, about the value of parents, and especially when they get old, don't forget what they did for you. <laughs> and you see there's an old Tani in the old age home, all forgotten. Her kids are busy. Her kids are busy. And they don't visit her. But I think it goes more than visiting them. It goes for more than visiting, because when you are there, it's not, it's not merely about your presence. It's also about the encouragement of their souls. The real encouragement they need. We see in verse 4 again where he says at the end, No one cares for my soul. I know it might mean my life, but I think even deeper, probe deeper. 
to say, encourage them through the word. Encourage them by praying with them and for them. I heard this story at a conference long ago uh, where the, the preacher said he went to visit a lady in hospital. <clears throat> Some, uh, uh, someone in his church said, please will you go and visit my friend? She's not part of their church. Please will you go and visit my friend? She's in hospital. So he goes, visits the lady in hospital and, and after he had uh, done chatting with her, he took out the Bible and he spoke to her about her soul and he read from the scriptures and he prayed with her and she said to him, you know, my pastor came too. But he never really asked me, how is my soul doing? He didn't pray for me and he didn't read the word. So that's important. No one cares for my soul. Really care about the person's soul. Isn't that what we ought to do for one another as a church? Pray for one another. That's why I've got a prayer list. And on my prayer list, every name of every member in the church, every person who's been visiting for, if you've been visiting for at least a few months, then your name goes on the list. And I want to make sure I pray for you every day, every weekday, for everyone, by name and according to the needs I know. So that's important. Pray for one another. Take your church directory. And start praying through the list. Even You don't have to do the whole book every day. But take three names, three families per day. And pray for them. Pray for one another. Care for one another's souls. Also encourage one another. Build one another up. Encourage one another with these words. With the words of Scripture. Paul says that to the Thessalonians. Use the words of the teaching of God's Word. And encourage one another. Care for one another's soul. And then also very important... Care for your own soul. Don't say, no one cares for my soul, but you don't care for your own soul. Care for your own soul by gathering with the believers regularly, the fellowship of the believers, the teaching of the Word of God, praying with other Christians, and partaking of the Lord's Supper to be reminded what Jesus has done for us and to have fellowship with Christ at the table. May I ask you, is there someone here you are lonely and actually you've brought it upon yourself. Perhaps you've brought it upon yourself because you are neglecting the gathering of God's people. Now, I don't think there's anyone here who has done that because you're here. <laughs> um, but sometimes we do. We fall into a bad habit of staying away. It says Hebrews 10 verse 25. And so then we say, I'm all lonely, I'm all lonely. I've heard people say that. I'm all lonely. Why aren't you here? <laughs> Why don't you gather with the believers? Like a lady, a lady phoned me a, a number of years ago. I get a phone call, this lady, a total stranger, an old lady, can I come and visit her? She needs to talk to a pastor. I go there and she says, all pastors are the same. They come and visit me and then they just leave. And I said, Tani, we've got a church member staying very close to you. I can ask him to pick you up and so on. He says, no, 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 I don't want to be part of it. I just want a pastor to visit me. And she was able to come. Don't do that and say, I'm lonely, but you are forsaking the gathering of God's people, if you can help it. I know some, peop some people can't help it, I understand. Uh, very elderly people who are uh, maybe lying in a bed and they're ill and so, uh, so on and so forth. Maybe is there someone listening to the sermon tonight and, or the recording later on and you're lonely because you are isolating yourself. You are withdrawing. Proverbs 18 verse 1, he who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. 
So you are isolating yourself. People are inviting you. Come to our house for a dinner. Come to our house for tea. Come and visit us. And you, you turn it away. You turn, turn down the invitation. Again and again, turning it down, turning it down. And eventually people don't invite you anymore. And you say, why does no one invite me? I'm lonely. Well, you've turned it down so much. They just think you're not interested. Or maybe you're lonely because of bad character. You haven't got strong or proper Christian character because you gossip. When you get to people, you gossip or you complain all the time about this and I'm complaining about that and complaining about one and the other. And people don't want to be around complainers, about gri uh, around gripers. Griping and moaning and groaning about this and the government and the weather and the sport and the corruption and who knows what. And if you complain all the time, or well, maybe you're a boaster, bragging about yourself, always talking about yourself and about how great and wonderful you are, or maybe you're grumpy, or you fight with people all the time. Then you're going to be lonely. People don't want to be with people like that. So in that case, you need to confess your sin. Say, Lord, I've sinned. Please forgive me, and please will you change me. Change me. Change me into that person who is compassionate and gentle and kind and loving and good and faithful and loyal and all of the rest. Number four, David's refuge. David's a scale plaque. Or say festum. David's refuge. That is in verse five and six we find that. Have you ever heard about? I haven't. But I think there are cases like that you might have heard about people who are so lonely they commit suicide. They kill themselves. That's not the solution. If you're lonely and you take your own life, that's not the end. You haven't solved the problem. The Bible tells us every man is destined to die once and they're after the judgment. So there's still a judgment waiting. And what if you end in hell? What if you go to hell? You think you, you've solved the problem? Hell is a lonely place. Heaven is a place of happiness and joy and love and community, of togetherness. All people from all nations and tribes and, and languages. So there's joy in heaven. It's a, a meeting, a gathering. Hell must be the opposite. Solitary confinement, utter loneliness, where people think, People think, at least if I go to hell, my friends will be there and others will be there with me. No, 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 no. It's a place of darkness, desolation, loneliness, where everyone suffers alone. So why not rather shed your tears before the Lord? Weep before the Lord. In verse 5, I cry to you, O Lord. And if you cry before the Lord and bring your burden to the Lord, then you won't go to the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then you will go to the place where He wipes all the tears from your eyes, where there will be no more tears. Well, that's obviously only verse 5, if, if you say, you are my refuge. If you find hiding in Christ, hiding in the Lord. I quoted this this morning, didn't I? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. You will only go to that place of no tears if the Lord is your portion here on earth. Verse 5, my portion in the land of the living. So the Lord is my, my portion. The Lord is my part. 
I think that helps, not only for one day when you go to heaven, the Lord is my portion, I'm going to be with Him. I think it helps even for this life, and especially if you're lonely. To say, I've got the Lord. I've got the Lord. Like Paul, he's in prison, I've got no one, but I've got the Lord. <laughs> Whom have I in heaven but you? And also on earth, there's nothing I desire besides you. The Lord is the strength of my heart. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is my part. The Lord is my life. The Lord is that one who says, I adopt you into my family by faith in my son, Jesus Christ. The Lord is the one who says to you, I will not leave you as orphans. I will send my spirit. I will send another helper. The Lord is the one who says, I call you no longer servants. I call you my friends. You're my friend. Jesus is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now sometimes depression and loneliness um, is also because of persecution. Like, like David here. Saul is chasing him. Saul's persecuting him. Saul wants to kill him. So that's why he says in verse, verse 6, Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. You see that with kids at school. Some kids at school, they bullied and when they're bullied at school, you see that poor kid walking alone on the playgrounds. No friends to play with. Or maybe at work, people are pushing you out. They're mistreating you. You feel lonely. Maybe in your family, you feel lonely because of persecution. And in that case, what must you do? Verse 7. Lord, deliver me from my persecutors. They're too strong. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Finally, number five, David's thanksgiving. And that's in verse seven. You remember the first lockdown? Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Don't you remember when the announcement came, you're going to stay home for three weeks. Yippee, no school, no work. I can just stay home and do work from home. Don't have to get up, do work in my pajamas and even watch church in my pajamas and my slippers and have my mug of Milo and... Yeah, and then, then when they said the three weeks is extended, oh. and then extended again, and then it wasn't so lucky anymore. And then it felt like you're in prison. That's what David felt like here in verse 7. Bring me out of prison. What's the prison? Well, it's, verse, it's the little heading. David's in the cave. It feels like a prison, but there's another prison. What's the other prison in the psalm? Loneliness. It's a prison. Get me out of this, Lord. Help me. To many people, loneliness is like being in prison. In that case, pray verse 7. Bring me out of prison, Lord. And God answered David's prayer very quickly. You read uh, 1 Samuel 22. In verse 1, he's in the cave. In the same verse, the Lord answers this prayer. And David's family comes. And then the next thing, more and more people come. In the end, there are about 400 people who are now with David. So the Lord has brought him out of prison. And then when the Lord does bring you out of prison, don't forget to say thank you. Verse 7, bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. Thank you, Lord. And then that I may give thanks, that must even be public. To say, I want to share a testimony tonight. I was a very lonely person. And then I called to the Lord. And the Lord helped me. 
And now no longer lonely, the Lord answer the prayer in this way or in that way. But please don't wait until the Lord sends the answer. You can thank Him even in the loneliness. To say, in the loneliness, I will call upon the Lord. I will see the goodness of the Lord. Because has God not been good to you? Has God not saved you? Has He not give you eternal, given you eternal life? Don't you have the forgiveness of sins? Don't you have the Holy Spirit with you? If you belong to Christ, you do. And sometimes we miss that there are people around us. Or there is that someone. Like Naomi. Do you remember Naomi in the book of Ruth? She comes back, her husband is dead, both her sons are dead. And here she comes into Bethlehem. And people say, oh, it's Naomi. And she says, don't call me Naomi. Call my name bitter. God has dealt bitterly with me. Mara, I've gone away full and I've come back empty. Is that true? What would have happened if Naomi had stuck out her elbow? She would have hit Ruth in the ribs. Ruth was right next to her and she says, I've come back empty. Sometimes we think we're lonely, but there is that someone God has given you. Don't miss that. And then surround yourself with righteous people. Verse 7. The righteous will surround me. And I think that's important to pray, especially if you're the only Christian in your family. You're the only Christian in your class. You're the only Christian at your workplace. Or maybe very few Christians with you. Ask the Lord. Lord, send righteous people. Righteous people will surround me. And especially you must expect that when you die. Because there will be only righteous people. If you're a Christian, you're going to be with the believers. You'll be with the Lord. No wicked people, no godless people will be there, says Psalm 1 verse 5. And yet the ultimate solution does not even lie there. To say, I will be with the righteous in heaven. It lies with God. You can be surrounded by many people and still be lonely. Am I right? You can have someone, here's a wife, she's married, she's got a husband, but she feels lonely. Because her husband is out working at different places, never sees him. Or maybe he's home, but he works every night until 11 and she's already in bed sleeping. And then he comes to bed. She feels lonely. Or maybe a bad marriage. Living in the same house, but just living past one another. Every night the husband's home early, plops in front of the TV and sits there. And the wife is with the kids, helping them doing their homework. Or maybe you've got a good marriage and you've got a happy family, but you feel lonely. Because I want friends. I'm glad to have a husband or a wife. I'm glad for my children. But we want friends and everyone's just living their own lives because we're living in Joburg and it goes like this all the time and it's busy, 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 busy. You feel lonely. Or maybe you've got a lot of friends. And still there's an emptiness inside. You feel lonely. Because there's something lacking. Maybe you're lonely because you're a widow, you're divorced, you're single, or you're an orphan. Well, God does give marriage as a solution to loneliness. Genesis 2 verse 18. It's not good that the man should be alone, so God made Eve. But marriage is not the ultimate solution. Uh, you 
single and you're part of a church. Great. So you make friends at a church and God has given friendships. Uh, you're a widow and God has given the body of Christ. So you've got a spiritual family. That's fantastic. So we encourage one another. Psalm 68 verse 5 and 6. He places the solitary or the lonely. He gives a home. And that home is your spiritual home. You've got brothers and sisters. You've got friends in the Lord. That's part of the solution. But again, it's not the ultimate solution. The ultimate solution, the end of verse 7, you will deal bountifully with me. You, O oh Lord. That's your solution. And better circumstances, I do want to tell you that's not enough. Sometimes we think if I just have better circumstances, I won't be so lonely. You don't need better circumstances, number one. You need a better perspective. We need a God perspective. And David had to remember, God will fulfill his promise. He said, I will sit as king on the throne. And that happened. It says at the end of verse 7, you will deal bountifully with me. And so you and I must believe God will deal bountifully with your soul. In abundance, in his goodness, he will deal with you. How do you know God will deal bountifully with you? How do you know that? There's only one way you know that. Only one. Because he said so. And God does not lie. God keeps his promises. And God is the one who remembers his children. When they are lonely. God remembered Noah. God remembered Rachel. And he gave her a child. God remembered Abraham. God remembered Hagar when she was sitting in the wilderness all alone. God remembered Israel when they called to him, Lord, we're in slavery. God remembered Catherine Stewart. That's part, uh, let me just say, it's part of God's character. Catherine Stewart summarizes it well by saying, God is well known for remembering forgotten people. Only one thing God asks of you. When he remembers you and helps you in your loneliness, he asks one thing. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will help you and you must glorify me. Heavenly Father, as I come before you this evening, I especially want to remember the lonely people in our church. Lord, I do want to ask your forgiveness also. And this might be a serious matter between us, Lord, that we can pray this prayer tonight and say, forgive us, and then just continue forgetting the lonely people. Help us to love them, to give time to them. If, and for, the, for them also, I pray that you would help them to reach out and not pity themselves. And also then, Lord, I do pray that you would help those who are lonely by their own doing to repent and turn to you and call upon you for grace and help. And help us to love one another in such a way that the world will see it and say, these people are real Christians. And that they would give glory to our Father in heaven. Amen.